everybody. It's Tyler. This is Danny. And you're listening to Fried Squirms, where we're about to get stoned and talk about horror movies. I'm already a little bit stoned, but I'm excited that we're going to talk about this horror movie. If you haven't looked at the title, if you just let this autoplay onto this episode, today we're going to be talking about the Queen of Black Magic from Indonesia, the old one, not the new one. Actually, before we do that, there's a couple things that we need to get to. First, let's start getting stoned. That sounds good. Let's do our green hits. And you tell me again what it is that you just threw in front of me in joint form. No problem. So I brought you over two different strains. One of them from Greener Pastures, a place we've frequented several times, mentioned several times before in the show. But not quite sure exactly which lemon strain it is. I just know it's a lemon strain and it's a sativa strain as well. And I think that one's somewhere in the 20s in the THC range. The other one I picked up is from another, of course, the local dispensary here in town, Tricombe Valley, and that is the Lemon Royale. And this particular strain, it's a sativa-dominant hybrid. It's made by a crossing lemon tree with a cross of GMO and triangle kush. Of course, with its namesake being Lemon Royale, the dominant terpene is limonene, which you'll taste that lemony citrusy flavor yeah but this one's good for treating depression and fatigue and yeah it gives you a good burst of energy euphoria you'll feel inspired as well so hence why i brought it to the show all right so with me the joint is kind of boring i'm, I'm going to throw you a couple nugs of this 24 karat gold and that's the one that i'll, I'll line out the joint's just some gsc because i went by greenhouse pharmacy they always do amazing with their tried and true. GSC at this point, I consider a tried and true strain. However, if you don't know the genetics on it, it's what Durban poison with OG Kush. But I'm I'm going to definitely toss you a nug today of this 24 karat gold that I also picked up from them. 24 karat gold is a cross of kosher Kush with tangy. Ooh, nice. And you already took a smell of it. You got a pretty deep citrus coming yep. through little bit of herbal, a little bit of pepper, you know, sort of at the end there. Just a little pinch. Just pinch, getting it in there, getting it in. But uh, yeah, some 24 karat gold, but that's some GSC. Nice. So. Hell yeah. I'm going to start off with this unknown lemon, and then the lemon royale is probably going to accompany my dinner tonight. Oh, tell nice. You what. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad I could provide that. Well, let's get started on that. And then there was something that we both sort of talked about bringing up. Just because we both ran into it and ended up saving it, not realizing that it was kind of on each other's radar in such a big way. All right, so a little bit ago, probably almost a month now at this point, to be honest, up on our iceberg charts on Reddit from, I think, a user named Nice Guy Phil. Anyway, he created an iceberg chart meme that's basically fucked up movies. We both ended up saving it, both just kind of thinking like, oh, this is kind of fucking neat, right? Especially because we'll get into it more in a second, but like it goes deep. Didn't really realize that like this was on so many people's radar until like my YouTube algorithm started randomly just like throwing me like, check out this dude's reaction to this fucking chart and shit. And I'm like, I don't know who this guy is. And like, I saved this chart like three months ago or not three months, like three weeks ago. Why is it suddenly coming back up into my life? And how does this fucking video have like 1.2 million views? And it seems like people are actually kind of interested in checking out this chart. And so I thought we could just talk about it for a second. Like, yeah, dude. 
people aren't going to know that we're talking about it unless they're listening to this episode anyway. But I'm surprised how many people like have actually like put eyes on it and are interested in how deep the rabbit hole goes, so to speak. But like, I don't know what caught your eye about it. First, I need to pull it back up. (laughs) I can fucking find it. You know what? While you're pulling it up, I guess I'll point out like the iceberg chart meme is a weird one for me. I think a lot of the times it's used by people to be like, yeah, you're only up here. I'm all the way down here. And sometimes it's used to make fun of people who say, I'm all the way down here Mm -hmm. and show just how ridiculous they look. In this case, even though I think it is a little bit making fun of that, this one I think is more just informative. I will say that at first glance, as I started looking through it, It caught my eye because, like, the shit up at the top, like, up in the blue sky and just, like, on the top of the iceberg is stuff that, like, I would actually agree with. Like, that's not actually that hard. Like, Hostel is torture porn, but it's mainstream torture porn. Exactly. House of a Thousand Corpses isn't as bad as the name implies. Tusk, more funny than (laughs) scary for the most part. And I fucking love that movie, but. Oh, yeah, we went ad nauseum on Tusk, how much we like it. And I started looking down the list and I was like, okay, well, like these for the most part seem to be mostly I would agree with and stuff. But as I kept going down the list, I'm like, okay, now this guy just seems like he's being try hard because I know what some of these are. And these aren't even really films at this point. Like, Yeah. But the more I looked at it, the more I will have to say is I think it was more just trying to be informative because not only does it get worse the further you go down... It kind of keeps things grouped by genre. Which I think is fair. Like I said, I think at times people use this just to be like, you're a fucking pussy, you're all the way up at the top of the iceberg. There's always going to be edgelords, man. (laughs) It doesn't matter. This one, I think, is just more like, no, this is just kind of the reality. If you want to start getting into this genre, this is what it looks like. So I guess I've been kind of vague about it, but was there anything that you wanted to say about it before we go into it a little bit because i do want to talk about it a little bit because it's kind of interesting yeah i know we talked about it throughout the week at work and i think we both came to the kind of the same conclusion that this is a pretty decent barometer of where it falls in line like some of these horror films like you were saying earlier where you know you can get to a certain point where it's like okay this is no longer film or you know it it no longer follows a quote-unquote plot you know what i mean it's just just like this is just shock value at this point. So there's a few that I've noticed that it's like, yeah, okay, I see where I see where you're going. The further and further down the list you go, and it's like, yeah, I know when to tap out on some of these. Right. So up in the blue sky, it's like Friday the Thirteenth, Conjuring, Ring, Nightmare on Elm Street, Annabelle, Child's Play, Scream, Insidious, and The Grudge. I would put Insidious one more down. But I get what they're getting at there. This It's all mainstream. And that's not like saying that these are bad movies. But yeah, in terms of its factor amongst the other films, I would definitely put the vast majority of these right at the top. Once you're actually on the iceberg, it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Saw, House of a Thousand Corpses, Human Centipede, Hills Have Eyes, Hostel, Tusk, and Midsommar. Yeah, and I could say, yeah, for the most part, now you're starting to... In this case, get your feet a little bit wet. Honestly, if they're putting Scream and Insidious and Blue Sky, I'd say that Saw could also count as Blue Sky. I do too. I think it's just because it's lumped in with a few of these films for its notoriety. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably why it got clumped in. And the only one I can really see a direct parallel with would be Hostel. 
and I mean really original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, dude, we talked about it too. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the rape that sets it apart. I think. No doubt, no doubt. Okay, so first level under the iceberg, and this interesting, right? Yeah, Solo, mm -hmm. Human Centipede Two, Tetsuo, Martyrs, Pink Flamingos, which is an interesting addition, but <laughs> yeah, Suicide Club, Shoju Subaki. Serbian film, Cannibal Holocaust, House That Jack Built. I was going to say, I got seven of those films literally in my collection. So, <laughs> yeah, I could say now, yeah, you're starting to get into some heavier waters. Not the heaviest, of course, but now you're starting to get in a little bit. I know Solo, but I've never seen it. I would say it's a good clump in there. It's not, of course, the most extreme shit you're ever going to see, but it's starting to get to that point, especially with Pink Flamingos, too. It's not a horror film, right? but it's got some gross shit in it. Specifically, dog shit eating. Dog shit and chicken fucking. So yeah. <laughs> there's that. Um, the only one I'm not familiar with at all, I think, is Shoju Subaki. Likewise, unless it goes by a different name, I don't think I'm familiar with that one either. All right, next level down. Slow Torture Puke Chamber, August Underground, Guinea Pig, Where the Dead Go to Die, Juvenile Crime, Philosophy of a Knife, Necromantic, Snuff 102, Life and Death of a Porno Gang, Slaughtered Vomit Dolls, Viva la Muerte, Melancholy Derangel, Regurgitated Sacrifice. You know, out of all of these on here, I'd almost, almost be willing to say that Necromantic might be the odd man out. I don't think that one should be clumped in there with that. That one's almost on the same lines as like... I was going like, to say, it should be next level up, right? Yeah, it's like that one's almost on the same lines as like Dertotis King and stuff like that. I don't I'd think it's quite... I'd say the only reason it's down here is because it's Necrophilia. Yeah, but mm, I'd still argue because it's more artsy than it is shock. But let's be honest, like this is the level where a lot of this starts becoming boring and a lot of it stops becoming fun. Yeah, and what's funny, I suppose, I know I'm using that word loosely, but I do own a few of those films in this group too. At this level, they're at least, some of them and I've seen, can be interesting. Yeah, I've seen, let's see, one... Because, like, I would put Atros on this level. Yeah. You know, honestly, I think it's more deserving than a Necromantic is at this level, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I've seen a few of these on this list, and I'm familiar with most of them. Some of them I wouldn't be against watching. Uh, one would... of them I wouldn't recommend, but I have seen. <laughs> and that's the SVD. Mm. I will probably end up watching Philosophy of a Knife. Yeah, that one's a little bit more tolerable because it's shocking, but... It's more or less like a view on some of the war crimes, atrocities that the Japanese committed on the Chinese during World War II. So it's more or less kind of like a documentary style film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, same with Guinea Pig, August Underground, Where the Dead Go to Die. I'd watch all those. Yeah, I used to own Guinea Pig in terms of Japanese Guinea Pig. And I've seen most, if not all of those in there. And they're, eh, I could see time period. Yeah, I would have fucked with people. But now they're dated. I don't necessarily want to, but I have a feeling that over the course of us continuing to do this podcast, we will probably talk about Melancholy Daringo. Yeah, so that's one of those that I do own. Haven't watched it, but I am very familiar with the director. All right, we'll go another level down. We have Women's Flesh, My Red Guts, My Chance Daily Life, the movie, Tumbling Doll of Flesh, The Taming of Rebecca, The Necrophiles, Oster Montag, Girl Hell 1999, Eccentric Psycho Cinema, and The Gateway Meet. Now, this might surprise some people, but I don't own any of these films. Um, <laughs> but I'm familiar with most of them still 
Here's a funny story really quick is while I was in Portland a few years ago when I went and seen Goblin, mm -hmm. I actually ran across a VHS tape of the Necrophiles in uh, the Movie Madness video rental place. So I was like, that's kind of cool, man. But yeah, I'm familiar, like I said, with a few of these, actually. I know about Tumbling Doll of Flesh. I was about to say Tumbling Doll of Flesh... Taming I've heard of, of Rebecca. The Oster Montag. Most I've of those. Of Oster Montag. Yeah, there's a distributor out of Germany, Austria, that puts a lot of those films out. So I'm familiar with that. I'm pretty sure Girl Hell 1999 is basically like the same as most of the like guinea pig movies where it's just tying a chick down and fucking. Yeah, I could see that because that's pretty much what like Tumbling Doll of Flash and stuff like that starts to get into. Yeah, I mean, at this point, a lot of it is just how gross can we make it? And there's yeah. not much plot. Here's the thing. How many levels down is this? One, two, three, four, five. When this is five out of eight levels down and you're starting to list things like <laughs> Tumbling Doll of Flesh and you still have further to go, that's why I thought that this was somebody trying to just be like, oh, I'm so fucking hard. Yeah, I see what you're saying. <laughs> But, like, thinking about it, like, all those films kind of clump together. They're all kind of the same kind of terrible. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, like, in a big hurry to rush out to see any of these either at this level. And see, here's the thing. Once it got down to this next level is where it was, like, a lot more apparent that some of this was simply being grouped by genre. And I didn't feel like it was just, like, oh, I'm so much harder. But where yeah. it became a little bit more, like... I'm being informative. If you want to go down the rabbit hole, this is where it goes to. Because you go to like Traces of Death, Faces of Death, Mondo Kane, Buried in the Sand, Africa Audio, Junk Films, Orozco the Embalmer, Death File Red, Banned from Television, Archivos del Morte Saga, Black Metal Veins, The Dark Side of the Porn. <laughs> yeah. Like all of these are third real life. Exactly. Exactly. Like, this isn't movies anymore. And that's where I was like, oh, okay, so this is just telling you, if you want to get into fucked up, this is how deep it goes. Ew. Yeah, and that's not even as far as you can take it. You're almost there. Right. Okay, honestly, like, it's technically this far down, right? Mm -hmm. But Faces of Death is kind of like the gateway, right? Like, that's what we all saw first. Absolutely. That's maybe why it's right smack dab in the middle. Faces of Death, in its own weird way, should almost be above a Serbian film and Cannibal Holocaust and stuff. Yeah, I would think at this time. But I could see, too, like, for its time period, if you're just going some of it's straight real, off that. Some of it's fake. Precisely. Mondo Kane, like, at this point, is probably more would just stick out to people how kind of existed, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I briefly mentioned this to you, but I am familiar. I haven't seen it, but I've seen it pop up a lot and group chats and what have you is the Orozco the embalmer mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of people inquire about that particular film you just it's following just footage a, a, of an embalmer yeah. in Colombia in the 80s in the height of yeah. cartel violence and it's pretty gruesome there's like no you, story it's just no. him getting the bodies from yeah, the fucking crime site you've pretty much seen him down in the morgue essentially and going to the morgue and embalming Oof. them 1980s style colombian style so Oof. that's like newspapers and bullshit mm -hmm. yeah if you really want to see behind the scenes and a lot of that shit there you um, go black metal veins another one of those too where it's lucifer it's, valentine following yeah. a group of heroin junkies yeah and you get to see them bang that shit so <laughs> like a fatal od happens on camera yeah it's pretty gnarly man next level down 
Guso Milk 1 to 4, UNKB 002, Channel 309, Death to Kafar, Vomit Enema Ecstasy 1 and 2, KT Trilogy, The Motel Files and Other Random Cuts, Saddest Scream Volume 1 to 5, Squirmfest, Kuso Limitless, Genki Genki 18, 19, and 21, and No Vaseline, The Great Porn Swindle. Guess what? These are all just extreme porns. Yeah. Every which, single one of them, except for Death to Kafar, which actually should be the next level up. What I'm kind of curious about... I, uh, These are almost all shit-eating. These are almost yeah. all piss. I was thinking with the Kuso, I don't know if that's directly related to the Kuso that I'm familiar with, like Flying Right, Lotus. no, this is something different. Okay, I was like, because I've seen Kuso. I don't know about Limitless. No, no, yeah. Kuso Limitless is like a I was like, because I wouldn't put Kuso down this far. <laughs> no, okay, so... I'm for me actually, you know what's once again is one of those I've heard of unquote, Guso milk. Uh one of these funny things is if you really, really, really start to search, sometimes shit will find you. Like for instance, within the last year or two, I've come across the UNKB zero zero two and channel three oh nine. Do you can find these? They're not like super hard to find. I wasn't super familiar with them, but I knew they were starting to tread into some of the like the looser Valentine territory. Yeah, they're Literally, except for Death to Kafar, which, if I remember right, it's anti-Western okay. propaganda video from the Middle East that includes like a lot of like beheadings and shit. It should actually be in the next level up because it's basically just the other side of the street from Buried in the Sand, which is like an anti-Muslim video, basically. Gotcha. Yeah. But... I think you hit the nail on the head where a lot of these are starting to get more into like the sexual side of quote unquote horror, you know, at this point, porn essentially. Yeah. I mean, some of these aren't, I don't even think they're trying to be horror anymore. They're just, nah. it's just extreme porn at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I if mean, you're searching huh. for extreme, there's levels to it and porn is part of that. level. Oh yeah. Yeah. It has its own sub genre. The last level. Emotioses sexus de un cavallo. Snuff R73, Registros Fetes 3, I'm saying these wrong because I'm right. terrible with Portuguese, uh, Most Disturbed Person on Planet Earth 1 to 3, Fetus Munchers Volume 1 and 2, Fubar, The Ogrish Collection, and Porn Gore Volume 1 and 2. Before you go search any of those titles, I would like to warn you about mm. what lists you might end up on. Because this list got so popular, it's probably not as likely that you're going to end up on a list for searching for these titles, but actually owning any one of them can net you a charge. At Man. the very least, child porn. Yeah. At the most, withholding evidence. Jesus, man. Yeah, so, you know, unless you want to be on that list, uh, stay away from these films. But I was going to say, out of all of those on this list, I am familiar with the most disturbed person on planet Earth. I've Same. heard of that. Yeah. I've heard of it a couple times. Pope. Yeah. And um, I've, I had never heard of Fubar, but I watched a video about this list and the guy had done some research of his own. And I would probably only research some of these videos behind a VPN at the very least. Oh, no, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and some of these is like, I don't even know how much I am interested. Fubar includes parts of Animal Farm. Okay. So I don't know Fubar, but I know what Animal Farm is. Yeah. So. 
And it's kind of like MD Pope includes like the Mr. Hands video, which that was just something you could find back in the day online when we were, you know, younger people online. So like I've seen Mr. Hands. I have a feeling at least FUBAR or MD Pope probably includes the Pain Olympics. That also possibly came up in like Squirm Fest or something. I will say that from what I understand out of all of these down here. Oh, Ogrish Collection. Ogrish later rebranded and became Live Leaks. If you know the type of shit you can find on Live Leaks, that's Ogrish Collection. Out of all of those, I have two facts, and this is kind of what okay. I wanted to bring up because this is fucking funny as shit. Or I'll get the not funny one out of the way first. The not funny one is even if you go on to message boards where people regularly talk about these kind of things, if you bring up Snuff R73, they will tell you not on the clear web. Don't oh. even bring it up because supposedly some of the scenes in it were produced for it. Wow. That's the one that I think will net you a withholding evidence charge. Yeah, I'm good on that, man. Now, the first one, the Moches Sexus de um Cumvalo, was produced by the Brazilian government under one of their dictators. Oh, damn. I think in like the 70s or something. They wanted all the entertainment was to be produced by the government, and they saw that there was a demand for this kind of movie, so they supplied it. Supply and demand, baby. So it involves a horse. Oh, I think I uh, <laughs> can use my imagination there. And it was produced by the Brazilian Dang, government. Dang, man, that's crazy. Not to say that like that's the only fucked up government thing. Like oh, we should yeah, yeah, when yeah. we were talking about philosophy of a knife. Those units were recruited to the United States, much like the United States recruited oh, Nazi yeah. scientists through Operation it's like, Paperclip. It's like, yeah, make no mistake. We, we, when I say not you and I, but our government yeah. usually has their fingers on all kinds of nefarious shit. So it, that does not surprise me. But I do find like this particular iceberg is fairly fucking accurate, man. You know, if you want to really start to research some extreme stuff. So at a certain point, like neither of us are truly interested anyway. It's just information, right? But the parts that we are interested in, especially for like doing this show, I do wish had a little bit more nuance because I don't know, like we said, some of this, especially higher up, some of the shit feels weird. Just throwing pink flamingos on here feels weird, but I suppose it's your yeah, entry to it, what though. comes later on. You know what I mean? Right. Which is kind of interesting too, because, you know, John Waters, he has some mainstream stuff. Oh, yeah. So I can see why they, maybe they threw that in like, oh, you like John Waters? Have you ever seen Pink Flamingos? Are you familiar that's with true. Divine? That's true. You know, so maybe maybe that's why it's at that tier. I don't know. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was interesting that when I brought it up to you, it turns out that we had both saved it. And I, I felt <laughs> like it's close enough into what we do on the show. Anyway. Yeah, we might as well bring it up. Because, I mean, legit, in those top tiers, a number of those movies we've talked about, on the show. Yeah, we have. Or we're going to at some point. I can say this. I know you mentioned it too, because it's on the list, of course. But for those who are curious about Philosophy of a Knife, it's hard to get your hands on a cheap copy from Unearthed Films because they did release it. There's another company called Last Exit Entertainment. I think they're from out of like, uh, I want to say Sweden, somewhere like that. <clears throat> somewhere in Europe. Anyway, they put it out again because the director, Andre Iskanov, he pretty much like re-updated two of his other films, Nails and Visions of Suffering. So highly recommend those two films. I've seen both of them, own both of them. They're both from Unearthed as well, but they're also from Last Exit. So yeah, yeah. 
Just wanted to give him a shout out. I think he's a really cool film. Heard director. good things about Nails. Yeah, Nails is fucking trippy shit. It's pretty awesome. And, you know, if you've never seen Russian horror, it's a good gateway into it. Psychedelic as fuck, too. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now that we, you know, derailed what we normally do, which is talk about fucking movies, maybe we should get into it and talk about the guts and bolts, the queen of black magic. Guts and bolts. All right, guts and bolts. Spoiler free, who and what went into the making of this movie? Start you off with a spoiler free setup for what you're getting into with the queen of black magic. A woman is tricked and wronged and attempted to be murdered under suspicion of using black magic and learns black magic as revenge. Yeah, I like that, man. I think that's a good brief setup of what this film entails. And once again, we do like talking about the people who go into making the film and the actors and actresses in front of the cameras. And this week, our director is Lilac Sidiju. And this gentleman's known for, I mean, I'll just go ahead and say it. All these people are known for Indonesian films. So unless you are like a buff of Indonesian films. This is a 1981 Indonesian right, movie. Right, 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 right. So like they aren't keep that in international mind. fame. No. But I will drop some interesting trivia here in just a moment because of a distributor. Anywho, Lilac is known for several Indonesian films. Just a few things of note. One is called Gundala, the Son of Lightning. Another one's called Demon of Gungu Golf and The Amazing Dharna. The writer is Imam Tantui, and he's known for such films as Satan's Slave, The Devil's Sword, and The Warrior. Now, here's the trivia part. All three of those films are Mondo Macabro releases. Oh, shit. Yeah, so big ups to them because they're the ones who release a lot of these Indonesian horror films back in like the mid to late 2000s. Also, I'm coming to find out that I might be into Indonesian horror. I know, right? <laughs> Not too fucking shabby, dude. All right. So moving forward, we have editor Muskan E. Hamza, and he's known, once again, for the films The Devil Sword, The Warrior, and Savage Terror. The music was composed by Katat Siddhartho, and he's known for the films Mystics in Bali, The Devil Sword, and The Warrior. A highly touted Indonesian horror film is Mystics in Bali. I've had my eyeballs on that for a while. All right, special effects was done by El Badrun. He's known for Mystics in Bali, Blazing Battle, The Devil Sword, and Hell Raiders. This was produced by Sabarin Kastani. He's known for producing the films The Devil Sword, Savage Terror, and the film Wolf. The production company was Rappi Films. The distributor was World Northall. They helped with the theatrical release here in the States for the dubbed version. And Mondo Macabro, they released the 2008 DVD release, which was dubbed as well here in the States. All right, there's actually a tagline. This is coming off the Mondo Macabro release, but it says, He seduced and destroyed her. Now she would make them pay. Okay. All righty. So moving into the cast, there's several names. I found a site that gives credit to most of their names in terms of their character names because that one's a hard one to find, dude. And if you watch this film, you can catch them because there's a lot of expo on people's names. So I had to do a lot of that. Okay. Anywho, this is what I got from the cast. Gotcha. Our main actress, the queen, is played by an actress who goes by Susanna. She plays the role of Murney, and she also uses a false name, Saruni. Oh, yep, Saruni. <laughs> right. um, like, she's hot shit in Indonesian horror, Yeah, right? she was basically, like, the scream queen of Indonesian horror. They likened her to, like, Barbara Hershey and actresses like that. Oh, shit, okay. Yeah, so 
just a few films of note. She has a plethora of films in Indonesian horror. She's but, one of the few people I looked up and I was like, whoa, that's yeah, a uh, big film. A ton of films. But just a few of note are Ghost with Hole, the film The Snake Queen, and White Crocodile Queen. And if I'm not mistaken, I think she played the Snake Queen in several films. So Okay. All right, we have actor W.D. Mukhtar. He plays the role of Gundan, who is the teacher to Murney. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So he's known for the films The Mystics in Bali, Satan's Slave, and the film The Warrior. We have Teddy Purba. Now, this is the guy amongst several of the actors who don't get a credited character name, but I pieced it together. He's the guy who plays Permana in Kliwon. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's him. And he's known hmm. for the films Gandala, The Son of Lightning, and The Magic Man. All right, we have Sophia W.D., who is actually the real-life wife of W.D. Mokhtar. Mm. And she plays the role of Saija, who is Murni's mom. And she was in the films Mystics in Bali and the film The White Crocodile. We have Alan Nuari. He plays the role of Kohar. He was in the film Night of Kliwon Friday and the film The Earth is Round. We have... Yeah, take yeah. that, Flat Earthers. <laughs> we have Siska Widowati. She plays the role of Beda. She's known for the films Satan's Slave, Final Score, and The White Crocodile. And last but not least, I have Doris Borasman. He plays the role of Darmo. And he's known also for the films The Warrior, Ghost with Hole, Wolf, and The Snake Queen. So they're all homies. Every last one of them are homies. And some of these other actors and actresses, I could name them, but I don't know exactly what their character names are. are. Yeah, because they don't get credited for those character names. And I'd be guessing at that point. But anywho... That rounds out our cast and crew. You gave us a brief setup. We should give you some warnings. I mean, decent gore a couple times. Yeah, there's some pretty damn decent practical effects. Like black magic? Black magic. So if you're... And it is specifically framed as... There's a bit of a spiritual war going on, and the side of good is headed by the prayers and forces of Allah. (laughs) Yeah, we have to... We do have to let you know about that, dude, because that one surprised the shit out of me. I wasn't expecting that. Not surprised in a bad way. No, no, no. But I wasn't because we ain't shitty like that. No, no, I'm not like that. It's just like, oh, damn. Not used to that, right? Exactly. Everything over here is coded Judeo-Christian, right? But it makes total sense if you do just a basic research into Indonesia. Mm -hmm. I mean, like 85 percent of the population is Muslim, so so makes complete sense. Makes complete sense why it's in this film. I agree, though. It was just weird because it was suddenly like, Uh, oh wait, the fucking. We're somewhere else. The writer's name is Imam. <laughs> Come <Right>. on, man. <laughs> All right. So, yes, there's, I won't say a lot. There's allusions to that stuff. And, and it's like playing out. I done. guess, like, if you don't like specifically ends up being religious themed spiritual battle exactly. because of that. Right, right, right. Like, otherwise, it's kind of just like magic versus magic. But you can just plug and play. If you don't like, you know, Allah, just say God or whatever, Yahweh, whatever, whatever your flavor is. That's the thing, like, because the movie plays it mostly as just magic versus magic. Essentially. It doesn't really play it as, like, actual religion other than it helps that they all start praying again. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, we'll get into that. bringing religion into it makes it touchy. It does. I mean, it's going to turn some people off, so that's why we have to give you some warnings. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, there is a hanging, so some people might be, you know, a little turned off by that. There's some woman beating in this film, Mm -hmm. so... Once again, that could trigger some people. Not much language, if any, at all, right? Right, right. Yeah. Oh, there's like there's super mild nudity. Kohar gets called an asshole at one point. He does. So. 
I was gonna say there's you asshole. real, 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 real brief nudity. Real brief. Oh, there's genitals on a doll. <laughs> there is. <laughs> yeah, we do have to point that out. Okay, anyway, at this point now we're just spoiling fun things about the movie. <laughs> we're getting out of actual warnings and we're just having fun. Let's get into actually just talking about the Queen of Black Magic. How does that make you squeal? Alright, not gonna lie. Dude, this movie is way better than any of the trailers that we watched for it made it look. 100% agree. I even mentioned that to Steven who's been on the show because he and I were talking about it this week. So, totally agree with you there. This is one of those movies where it's really easy to be like, show somebody a trailer and be like, look at the kind of kooky movies that they make overseas sometimes. Which, by the way, can be absolutely true. Yeah. We've done a couple movies where seriously, what the fuck, Japan? Yeah, exactly. But I love it. Keep it coming. Yeah, keep it coming. We love it. And this movie out of context oh, is fucking hell. cuckoo bananas crazy. Zach, friend of the show, friend of the network, part owner of the network, all of that with <laughs> us. He came in while I was finishing my notes today. Oh, nice. And so he basically watched the entire final magic battle with me. And he was like, what the fuck is going on? I'm like, no, dude, don't don't worry. This makes a lot more sense in context. He's like, how? How does this make sense? It's like, well, if you got an hour and a half, <laughs> it'll play itself out. And then I tried to give him really quick, like, well, this happened to her, and she did this, and this guy is using her. And he's like, so does that explain why she's biting her toe right now? <laughs> exactly. I'm like, okay, point taken. But Right, but do you practice black magic? Right. Look, witchcraft looks different in different cultures. Thank you. I don't have that exactly in my notes, but that's basically kind of my notes. Like, my opening note on this movie is that we're right in on the crazy, in quotation marks, because we're not in on craziness. Yeah. It's a ceremony that I'm unfamiliar with. But right. It's a ceremony it just... of some sort. But here's the thing. You don't open a movie suddenly in the middle of a large, blaring you know, cacophonous and just yeah, sight and sound and movement going without trying to like instill that feeling of you're getting right into the crazy. So it still fits. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I think the first time I had heard of and seen anything on this film was when we watched that trailer, mm -hmm. you know, initial impression was like, man, this is going to be fucking bonkers. And it don't is. get me wrong. Yeah. But not to the extent, I think, that the trailer makes it out to be. It makes at least as much sense as Evil Dead, if not more. I agree. Yeah. Totally agree. At least as much, though. I, I might not necessarily <laughs> argue for more, but... Right. But at this point... I don't know. I guess before we actually dig in too much on the movie, like... Like, I'm not joking around. Like, I kind of want to watch more of these older Indonesian horror movies now. Like, if, well, yeah, if this yeah. is the kind of shit that Susanna was pumping out all the time, then, like... I'm down. Right? Yeah, yeah, because she's easy on the eyes. She's a good actress. She carries mm -hmm. her own, you know? It's not just... She's not carrying the film just by her looks alone is what I'm getting at. Like, she puts on a good performance. And mm -hmm. so do all the other characters as well. And it was cool. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun. Especially... Like I said, knowing that this film actually has a plot and a story that makes sense and it's cohesive. Okay, so now about the plot. Watch this movie twice, like I always do every week for these movies, or at least try to every week. This has been a week where I went back to dabs for a week. <laughs> nice, hell yeah. 
didn't realize how dabbed out I was last night when I was watching this movie until watching it this morning <laughs> and being like, oh, oh, man. Oh, I like this story. Oh, where is this going? And it was a lot more interesting than I thought it was last night. Like, I was kind of meh on the movie last night. Like, ah, oh, that was fine. But like, no, I some of the shit was completely. cool. Like some of the some of the effects were better than I thought they were going to be and stuff. And then I watched it again this morning and I wasn't as stoned. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, shit. Oh, OK. That's what's going Oh, hey, I like this. Hey, this is actually a good flick. Yeah, it's like it's not too bad. It's not too shabby. So it's a wedding celebration in the beginning. And Mernie goes by and she's all like distraught over it when she sees who's involved. Kohar sees her. I like the way that this all unfolds because you don't know the information you need until you get there, but it doesn't feel cheap in the way that it's holding it back either. No, I agree. It folds organically. Yeah, it does. And that's good. It's clever. You can feel she's not quite there 100%, right? Mm -hmm. Even before she hits the street, you know, she's like with the bride and the bridesmaids and all that stuff. And she's daydreaming. Later on, we find out why. And of course, the more you piece it together, but it leads to that. And that's what makes this film like, oh, shit, this is uh, better than it probably should be. Things start going weirdly wrong. Kohar's bride freaks out. That was cool. Yes, it was. I like that a lot. I was like, ooh, what is this? It was a little cheesy, but in just the right way. I was like, this is 1981 Indonesia. Like, it, this isn't going to be 100% on, and it's pretty yeah. fucking good for what it's supposed to be. I was going to say, be. it felt a little fulci, a little bit. Mm -hmm. It had a little bit of that feel. The fucking, the shaman getting slammed up and down. Was that was pretty funny. <laughs> that was pretty funny. But then as we go further and now Mernie's crying to her mom, she's like, I'm not a virgin anymore. And if you've watched movies before, you can kind of be like, oh, shit, Kohar. And shit Kohar, after all of that shit's gone down and his fucking his boo is acting all crazy. He's like, I saw Mernie. It's got to be her. Let's go after her. And so he rounds up the boys fucking beat her ass try to burn her it's mom to death and throw her off a cliff yeah dude. that was a bit over i don't know what i could say to get any of my Ooh. friends to throw a chick off a cliff man okay she's practicing black magic on me <laughs> this might be a little controversial what i'm about to say a little bit but given the context of what we just mentioned earlier that there's some muslim stuff going on in this film mm -hmm. that that's not quite far-fetched in the culture is what I'm getting at, like the treatment towards oh, women. right, right. So it's not too far-fetched, but it's still fucked up regardless. It's still fucked up, yeah. Yeah, regardless is what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's normal. I'm just saying it is what it is. And I guess, like, I suppose it is a little bit different if you saw a guy get slammed up and down <laughs> to death in front of you. Yeah, that's like, what the <laughs> fuck, bro? <laughs> However, oh my fucking God, dude. I don't know how I skipped over this. When he got fucking slammed up and down and he's dying <laughs> and he spends 10 seconds crawling oh up gosh. the steps to utter his last words to them when they're only 15 foot away anyway. I know. And he, they can hear what he says. He doesn't have to crawl at them. He can just say it. He's, what do you say? They to the West? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what he should have said is West Side. <laughs> but no, I know what you're saying. Yeah, that's it was dramatic as all get. He could have gotten like a couple sentences in. I could have the if whole he time. Would have not wasted time crawling at them. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that part that's like, oh, so yeah. fucking hard at that. Because that was ridiculous. <laughs> it's just like the super long, drawn out death. What about? I think even before that, they had one of the guys out. Uh, I think it was Darmo. He's talking to, like, I don't know if he's supposed to be the rain shaman, but the guy starts to levitate. You know what I really liked about that scene? They did it subtly, but he kind of shows that, like, oh, look, there's not anything holding him up because he goes underneath him. And- yeah, he's doing, like, the magic trick performance. Mm-hmm. Like, look, no strings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, I noticed that, it too. Was, it, was, it was still good. It was it, entertaining. It was well done. Like, I liked it. It was fun. No, I think they did a fairly decent job of interspersing a little bit of comedy here and there in it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so her getting thrown off the fucking cliff. That was ridiculous. The obvious transition to a doll was amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was. Just went the limp. doll getting hit in ways where it obviously died oh, dude. is hilarious in the same way that like the dude falling <laughs> off the back of the Titanic and hitting the propeller was. But then her falling into the dude's arms. That was classic, man. That was so good. Like, I'm sold, dude. I'm sold on this movie. And he, like, didn't even react. No, he just, boom, he just caught her. He just happened to be right there. But you're right. On the way down, she smacks a tree, and then she hits the roof of that abode. And you're like, damn. At the height she was thrown off to, she's done. And, I mean, look, knowing what we know about him, it makes sense that he was there. Total sense. I still think it's funny that he's catching this fucking grown woman just like it's nothing. Just... Oh, dude, come on. <laughs> Mine. If you know anything a little bit about physics, yeah. You're not catching her like that. Man. <laughs> His fucking insistence on revenge was almost funny. Like, the first time it around, it funny. seemed kind of serious. The second time around, <laughs> it was ridiculous how much he was just like, all right, no, but you're going to get revenge, right? No, but no, dude. but really, you got to get revenge. Something no, Seriously, you got you to gotta go get revenge, girl. Oh. I ain't giving you these powers unless you go get revenge. <laughs> yeah. What I really noticed, too, is like in between all that stuff, too, is how much he was gaslighting her. Right? This is a movie that definitely benefits from the second time through. It does. Because it's the dialogue, even though we're reading the translations, obviously. The translations seem well written to me. Yeah, it seems 100% going along with what the hell the story's doing. When you, what you see on When you film. think he's trying to help her the first time oh, yeah. through. Because I knew there was going to be some... There's some kind of setup, There's always some bad side to learning black magic, but I didn't necessarily think he was going to be as big of a dick as he was. I I know, I'm like, damn, what a petty little bitch. (laughs) Exactly, right? I didn't quite think that was going to be the case. I thought there was just going to be a a downside to black magic. Right, right. It comes with a cost. And it does come with a cost. He mentions it partway through. If you don't use it on people, then it'll eat you up inside. And I was like, I thought that was the cost. You know, likewise, I mean? likewise. So makes sense. Yeah, that was good. That yeah, it was good. But you're right. He's playing a game with everybody involved. He's manipulating her is what I gathered from it, especially the second time through. So now when she agrees, this is one of those parts where I wish I knew more about whether the imagery used in this movie is evocative of actual folklorish thoughts of black magic and witchcraft in Indonesian culture. Yeah, I think that's a good point, too. Or was it just something made up for the movie? 
or or which part, you know you know we've had this conversation parts, before yeah. positive parts are made up for the movie completely right but what parts you know are supposed to evoke like oh this makes sense because i grew up with stories of black magic that's a like solid we point, grew dude. up with stories of witches and stuff right so. right there's something culturally that is shared you know like storytelling folklore etc and because we don't I mean, I didn't grow up in Indonesia. And like we do. <laughs> I'm not super familiar. And we do research, but I'm going to be completely honest. It's hard finding information about this movie. Man, you're not kidding, dude. You know, you really do have to like do and some investigating. I don't investigating. have that kind of time in my week. No, I, I mean, we're, we're fucking busy dudes. Here's something I did find out a little bit, just a little bit of research, right? This is kind of interesting. For those who are curious, you can find it on factsofindonesia.com. And... I was doing exactly what you were saying. I was like, I'm losing something here in cultural context with the imagery. Because the parts of it felt and, familiar. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not a hard story to follow, but there's something in here culturally too that we might be lost on and, and its impact on the audience, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, let me see if I can find anything surface level because some of it, it feels like it's delving into voodoo as well. It's even mentioned in context in the film, Right. So like, so what's the connection? What does it mean culturally in Indonesia? So this is a few things I found out, and I'll keep it really brief, but there's a name for the voodoo that they use in Indonesia, and it's called Santet. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. It says, um, do you know voodoo? Question mark. This black magic could be defined as some kind of Indonesian voodoo. Actually, Santet is taken from the Javanese language, right? And it said that the shaman could do a magical power such as delivering needles, shaving razors. So it's like a way to target the body and injure your victim through manipulation of dolls and shit like that. Oh, okay. So that's what had been theoretically what Gunnan was doing. Right. So culturally, it makes sense. It has a name and that's the Santet. And then the other one I think it's maybe loosely based on is called Pellet, which is like the lust part mm. of making somebody fall in love or manipulating people through that she was also doing with the dolls right so i put it down as horny voodoo in my notes yeah so there's some some interesting some stuff there too and he did some horny voodoo right and then there's others there's like eight different types some of it has to do with like for instance like gaining wealth and then like for instance like this one says it's uh you're using a head of a skeleton and you rotate it to target the death of the person so Stuff like that, and some of these other things are, depending on which island, you know, that right. has different meanings and stuff like that. But some of it's just ways of attacking your victim or what have you. But I think specifically to what we're dealing with in this film, it was the first two. Especially when he was first initiating her into black magic, as it were. Like, there's that bit where she's doing backflips in yeah, front of the moon. Yeah, that was fucking awesome. Which is hilarious, because you so can good. tell that she's on a fucking trampoline oh. and like... <laughs> I will say this, though, on the close-up shots, it's done kind of artfully and tastefully, too. Mm -hmm. You know, but in the pan shot, it's like, oh, come on, dude. <laughs> She's just cutting backflips. But I was like, okay, this is kind of funny, but it also reminds me of, like, if this was a Western story, that's just a witch dancing in the moonlight as part of their ritual. Yeah, 100% right? agree. Right. And so that's when I started There's wondering, some similarities. Like, that's when I started wondering, like, so what am I missing? What of this is part of folklore? What is this is made up for Good the point, movie? yeah. And I may never know. And you know what? I don't care because it's still made for a really entertaining movie. I just, I don't want to, like. <laughs> yeah. 
what I like, like <laughs> almost right after that sequence is when, you know, she's after, she's like, she's cutting all those backflips and what have you. She starts to do like the first bit of the hand kind of gesturings and stuff like that. But this mm-hmm. one, she's like, like literally smoking hot. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you get into all that stuff and then she gets bathed in blood, which if you pay close attention, when you see them pour it, you can see the hole inside where they're pumping in. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, because I was like, where do they? I was like, oh, there it is. So anyway, what I wrote there was that the score in this film is actually pretty decent. The sound design, they did a pretty damn decent job. I have to give them credit. Oh, while you're pointing out, like, that's not the only time where you can actually see the effects rigging in this oh, movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That being said, for a movie whose effects rely a lot on cutaways and cutbacks to things being changed it's effective i agree that's part of what made this movie was good is they did it in a way where it didn't detract that they were doing it the quote-unquote easy way exactly but i think with the clever use of that editing technique too yeah it's masking a lot of that stuff yeah but they did it tastefully i agree it doesn't detract no as silly as it is, yeah, it could be a lot worse. It's just, oh man, after like, <laughs> after Kill List, I notice when things cut away because Kill List didn't cut away with that oh, hammer. Oh, dude, you're like, oh shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's like a really visceral reaction you have or response that you'll have towards that. <laughs> and where this is like, yeah, it was an obvious cut. Uh, but what that really leads to is what I wrote down as Kohar's Limp Dick Doll. I wrote it down as just dick voodoo. Also, my shorthand for what was going on is voodoo, and I don't mean that as disrespect towards real voodoo, because we had entire episodes when we were talking about voodoo zombies where I go into how much I actually kind of dig that shit. But Yeah, yeah. But this is just but it's a dick form voodoo. of, yeah. It, it's <laughs> You can call it santet. I mean, I wrote voodoo, because that's what yeah. I'm familiar with. But I think it has a commonality enough. <laughs> so, anywho... That was fucking funny, though. Like, I... That was pretty good. Dude suddenly just holding a fucking doll <laughs> with a dick. It was when, second time through, when I thought about that scene, though, I realized him already having that power over Kohar, having gathered the type of ingredients he would need to be able to exercise that kind of control over Kohar that should be your tip-off that he's deeper in this than you would think. Without a doubt, man. His reach is so far in that village where it affects everybody. And yeah, when you start to really think about it, it's like, yeah, it goes beyond just surface-level stuff. Because mm-hmm. he would theoretically already need Kohar's hair That's yeah, or well, some sort of physical... It makes you wonder, too, like, how was he this... I mean, you just chalk it up as black magic, the arts, but... It makes you wonder, like, how did he know these situations were happening at this specific time? Like, mm-hmm. was it just happenstance? Maybe he could read into that stuff. But yeah, anywho. But now she's fucking crazy powerful. Oh, yeah. She goes into the village, and it's where Dharma and some other villager are eating at that little side street thing. And that's and, when I realized that this is a supernatural revenge horror movie. I yeah, have no idea cool. what kind of horror movie this was actually supposed to be yeah, because into it based on those trailers and shit. In their expo, they're just like, they think at first she's a ghost. And they're like, no, ghosts don't walk on you know land. Mm-hmm. And they don't come out in the middle of the afternoon. So That was kind of funny. Yeah, but then she does... Like, the, by the way, dumbass. Yeah, she does that classic, like, get out far enough, then turn around and just 
fucking dead eye them, <laughs> you know. And um, what she does, well, they peace out and yeah, she, she catches up the, though. Yeah, yeah. And then she I was does like, like the serial killer follow the second time through. I had to write it down. First time through because it's just you know observational was uh, she uses bees to kill her first victim. I was like, oh shit, this is Candy Woman. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's this is before Candyman. All right. So uh, I was like, okay, that's not bad. I wouldn't want to have to be that guy who had all those bees on his face and shit. No. Nah. I mean, I'm good with that. I thought the bees were kind of an ingenious way to start because. Yeah. She's using nature. Exactly. It can just sound like dude doesn't know what he saw. He's being fucking crazy about it. Good point. Yeah. Like there's still no really direct tie to her. It's just circumstantial at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Body stung by bees. How do you prove that was black magic, right? <laughs> Precisely. Second victim, though, a little different, because I wrote this down as this was like the scanner's kill, where she made that dude's veins burst and shit. Right. Decent gore, dude. That got pretty gnarly. Dude, some of those fucking boils and stuff. Yeah, that looked, looked good. And I'm like, dude, this is either, yeah, this is pre-scanners, man. This is, oh, well, ironically enough, coincidentally enough, today is David Cronenberg's birthday. Oh, shit. Yeah. Happy birthday, David Cronenberg. It's a weird tie-in, but yeah, happy birthday. It was a little Cronenbergian. Yeah. A limited Cronenbergian. Yeah, limited, super limited, but still had the feel, had the aesthetic feel of it. I wrote it down in my notes as the boil bleed out. Dude, that was good. Yeah. And it was fucking, it got pretty gnar. What was after that? I have uh, where Mernie's mom calls out Kohar as being the evil one. Oh, you know, and then yeah. she gets, she's like, you just kill me. This is what you've done to my family. And then, yeah, she gets her ass kicked. And then the headman like intervenes. He's like, no, no, no. We want to use the law of the courts. And, you know, so they're, they're kind of establishing right. that kind of stuff. Well, you see that the headman, now that he's involved, he's like, no, we can't go about shit like this. And you see that Gunnan uh, you know, sees that. He also, but then he goes back and tells Mernie, he's like, you got to take them all out. And you're right. like, wait, but the headman was trying to take charge and like make them do this the right way. The headman, if I'm not mistaken, he's the one who, who drops a little bit of like a truth nugget. He says, we don't want this happening again. Mm-hmm. You're right. He doesn't want this particular form of justice being doled out because it has repercussions. Yeah. He's like, yeah. But Gunnan goes back and tells Mernie, yeah, like, yeah. No, we got to take them all out. You can't, get you can't all. just stop with fucking homeboy. Like, the headman's got to go, too. Yeah, here's and another, I didn't catch that the first time through. Another classic case of gaslighting about her being, mm-hmm. he's like, I didn't teach you how to become a murderer. Like, motherfucker. <laughs> right? Uh, I put the third victim was actually pretty cool. This happens out in, like, the rice fields where the guy is getting sucked into the earth. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and I was like, you know, that's a good use of worms and stuff. Uh, some big-ass fucking worms. Mm-hmm. Once again, I didn't want to be that dude in that situation, but good on him. Fourth victim was one, what do they call it? Um, a sarong, I think is what she was wearing, or a shawl or whatever, and she winds up wrapping it around that dude's neck. You could see exactly how it was done. It still looked cool as shit. Yeah. What I liked, what I thought was funny was... That looked good, It looked dude. really good. But the thing I think they threw in, I, I wish he wouldn't have done it, but it was, I'm glad he still did it, was stick his tongue out. Because mm-hmm. it was like, oh, you're a little overselling it a little bit. But it still looked good regardless. But it wrapping around her, his neck, 
Yeah, she got his ass. Obviously a reverse shot of oh, her pulling it off Yeah, not, not the first time. But at this, oh, point, I mean, in this, case, at this point in the movie, you're buying her magic, though. At this oh, point, she's the queen of black magic. So without a doubt. It looked fucking perfect on screen. Like, no, it did. And it's one of those things like, oh, shit, they went there with that. Good on them. It looked good. It looked decent. This leads into her being Mernie kidnapping the baby. Did you see the strings? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I sure did. And that was even the first time watching this film when I wasn't trying to watch it with an analytical eye. But it was like, oh, okay, that's how they're doing that. <laughs> it still wasn't bad, though. But and it's, know, it's not just that's how they're doing that. Like, you can legit Oh, see yeah, it. for real. Uh, you know, but it's like, ah, okay. You think they just, like, up the gauge of the string just to make sure they didn't drop the baby? Yeah, because it's a fucking baby. <laughs> I, I what I thought was really risque on them was you know not just that but then almost the next scene where they're in the cave together and it's in that like makeshift swing of fabric oh, and snake that was a really cool vision that was dope as fuck but I'm like whoa they're taking some liberties there that was super fucking cool I have a feeling they didn't want to include the fabric at all you just can't train a snake oh, to yeah, hold yeah. that position it's so unpredictable these days Still you dope do as fuck. CG. Oh, man, can you imagine the outrage now if somebody tried to do that in a film, especially here in the States? But I have a feeling that's but supposed it, to be like, this is how the Queen of Black Magic rocks a baby. She makes enchants sense. snakes to form a fucking cradle. We've already like, mentioned before, she's a snake queen mm-hmm. in other films. Makes sense. So That was one of the coolest fucking visuals in the yeah, movie. Yeah, I, I can't say, I don't know if we will, but I'm almost willing to say that might be the only time we'll get to see that in a film. Mm-hmm. That is something that a Western fucking <laughs> oh, Antichrist film needs oh, to, to steal because it's the perfect kind of imagery. No doubt about it. And then once again, it's tying it back to nature, probably cultural snakes being significant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you go. There's kind of that innate biological like snakes are not good for you. Well, it, it even ties in uh, <laughs> maybe ironically in this case, maybe coincidentally once again. With Eve and the snake, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So even though we, we've already mentioned this is more uh, Muslim than it is Judeo-Christian, but it still has tie-ins. Yeah. You know, they still acknowledge each other. Mm-hmm. Fuck, that was good, though. It was. It was super clever. Fucking wasn't expecting it. But I was like, all right, here we go. All right, so oh, as one as of a... the things I'm wondering if it's lost in translation to us. Huh? Egging Kohar. Yeah, that was fucking crazy. I wonder how much that is symbolic of birthing or like, you know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm stretching that one. But I wanted to say even before that, this is where I said the brief, super brief nudity where she nurses the baby. Oh. Yeah. But your boy, before he, you know, you realize what his name is, but Gendon, the mystery man as I had him, the practitioner of the black mm-hmm. magic, He's watching it, and then that's when he's like, you need to return the baby, and of course she does. But that's like our introduction, too, of what I wrote, the Traveler, who we learn who he is a little bit later on in the film, but yeah. The Traveler is the part, the second time through, that I realized I really wasn't paying attention to. Oh, my gosh. Let me ask you this, since we're right here at it, right? My first impression of that guy, I was like, man, (laughs) this is totally the Westerner in me. But I was like, he looks like the Indonesian... Lionel Richie. Pretty good. That's pretty good. I was like, I don't know. It's just his face. Nothing about his mannerisms, but I was like, ah, that could be him. So, I mean, this is spoiler section. We can bounce around. 
Mernie ends up being into the Traveler, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So after seeing Kohar, and after seeing the Traveler, I came to an uncomfortable (laughs) realization, and that is that my father would have been her type. (laughs) (laughs) You're absolutely right, dude. Look at that. She would have been all over your daddy. Yeah. (laughs) I just, I have a picture here with me and just showed. That's true, dude. Manuel? Careful. She would have been all over my dad back I mean, in the day. I would have took those odds, those chances. Yeah, yeah, just don't be a dick, right? Yeah. Although, I mean, oh no, the traveler wasn't being a dick. No, but there's, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. How did this movie end up going there? I don't know, but tri- I didn't even realize. No, 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 no. There's no way of knowing that until you get that. Yeah, because it springs it on you. Yeah, you're like, what the fuck? What? Okay. They spring a lot at you at the end. Anyway, we're getting there. <sighs> they really do. First, Kohar gets egg on his face, which ends up with him performing a self-decapitation. That was wild, man. I did like this. I liked how he discovered or put it together that it was her. She left, like, quote-unquote, a calling card. It was the flower. Oh, right. Right. He finds, like, a necklace of sorts of those flowers on the baby. And then that's when he's like, oh, yeah, him and his boys go out again looking for Mernie. And she's ready this time. She starts to to do like the wind. Like, I was like, she y'all. does the Petey Pablo, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, and um, yeah, she gets Kohar by himself, and yeah, she hits him with that egg. I'm like, what? But it fucks him up. Fucks him up bad, dude. The self decapitation was so fucking cool. That was awesome, dude. Makes him do it right in front of like the headman, who is his father in law, and his wife, and his buddies, and it would look pretty fucking decent. The then, flying head around a little silly, but but that was still pretty pretty decent though, yeah. Because Gendon has that link to him, right? Certainly does. So after he kills himself because of her magic, Gendon's like, "Nah, I'm after the headman too." Yeah, and so he takes control. Oh of man, the head. that's pretty decent. You're like, what the fuck? But what they did was when they used the cuts, the inserts, or whatever. Guess how much more sense the fucking trailer makes after watching that scene. I know, because at first you're like, what in the fuck is going on? This isn't a fucking crazy-ass flying head like in House. Oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. This actually, yeah, has has some more substance, I suppose, if you want to call that. Maybe, which is weird as it is, a little bit more credibility. Well, because I feel like even cross-culture, there's like a basic idea of what people feel like black magic should feel like. And they're kind of keeping close to that like it yeah. feels like black magic and this is what black magic this is like does. at this, this point too it's like does. necromancy you know Voodoo does this yeah. is what you have to have that link to someone if it's presumably a link from their head and their head gets cut off then Boom. you're still going to have control of their head there you go exactly dude but he does he uses it and kohara winds up biting the shit out of the head man until our traveler appears Dude, him jumping, that grabbing was the head, funny. then both turning into a doll for a second. If you pause it in time and when they're like levitating in the air, you can see it was a dummy. Like, oh, yeah. Big time. But it's still pretty decent. It's not that impressive considering how dark the scene was. It would have been really easy to hide the wires. <laughs> but it doesn't look like a dummy swinging around. No, 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 not it at first. It reminds me of like 
Have you seen the videos of like when people make like their drone look like fucking Superman and go like? Oh, I don't think I've seen any of that. No. Go just like fly it along the beach. Uh-uh. <laughs> I haven't seen that. That's fucking funny. It reminds though. me of like people fucking around with drones and making them look like funny things. That's awesome. Around. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. <laughs> but that's pre all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good on them once again. So once homeboy saves everyone's lives, basically. That's when it really starts doing the power of belief versus oh black magic. Gosh. This is when everyone starts praying again, and it's yeah. kind of erecting a kind of soft metaphysical barrier across the entire village that now Gendon is having a hard time properly penetrating. Right. He can still do some shit, but it has a higher chance of failing. He's just not as good at it because their constant prayers. Now yeah. that they've seen what the power of prayer can do is kind of like almost creating a force field, you could say. There was something that we learned what his name is here in a little bit, but the Traveler, right? When he first meets Darmo, because he's the one that first interacts with him, he says something to the effect of like, prayer can defeat black magic. You know, so they're already setting that up. And then after... And then he goes and He quells the head, then he tells him, he's like, you know... He's like, oh, you're powerful and blah, blah, blah. He's like, no, anyone can defeat black magic if they believe in him. And I'm like, oh, fucker. <laughs> but I get it. I mean, it didn't lean too heavy, but you kind of get it. Well, it's one of those things, like, I feel like we've brought this up on other times when, like, fighting evil or the devil pops up. I mean, like Even last week a little bit. Yeah, like... I try to live my life pretty atheistically, right. but if I see someone literally using the power of belief and it is literally holding off the forces oh of evil, yeah, what I got to lose, bro? Becoming a believer, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me something tangible, man. Give me something at least a little bit here. Yeah. yeah at yeah. that point, like it becomes right. A, I get it. I get it. Right, right, right. And I'm like, you know, who am I at, at this point to say otherwise? But. And the thing with dude was still pretty cool though. He was. Like he still reminded me more of like a Van Helsing character. I see. Yeah, solid, solid point. Yeah, he wasn't like proselytizing all this stuff. He was just like, hey man, you know, this is this how is you set up a village. Yeah, this is how you I guess regain control of your village. Mm-hmm. To thwart these attacks. It felt the more like, it almost more felt like a doctor telling you to eat your vitamins. Yeah, yeah. He just it's he like just this is just kind through. of what you have to do to upkeep your shit yeah. so that you can't get attacked by fucking curses and Yeah, it's like dude, look at your what was it called? Like Sorrel or Sorrel, something like that. It's the place where you can pray. But yeah, he's like, dude, you know, you gotta keep this place up. Start praying again. You guys are experiencing a curse. Why do you think you got none of you guys are praying? Yeah. And that's where I was like, okay, I see what they're setting up here. And it makes sense. It ties right back into why Gendon and Murney have so much control. Their powers are terrorizing the village at that point until they start setting this up. We brought it up earlier. I do like the fake out of like the black magic. It's not a real fake out. Like it's just part of it, but it works as a fake out because you think that's the only price to black magic. The It's around that time period you get the drop of... No, you got to go do this because black magical each. Oh, it's because she's telling him. She's like, no, nah, I'm done. Yeah. She's like, Dude, I already I killed Kohar. Dead. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm saying. He keeps gaslighting her. He's like, no, even the ones who were inadvertently involved with the others. Yeah. So he keeps gaslighting her, keeps guilt tripping her. And yeah, he's setting up shit is what he's doing. You're right. She goes to calm down. Oh, she goes, takes a bath out in the, takes a bath. the river. And you know what? The traveler, he's got all the right moves. Because if there's one thing in this life that I know, 
is that bitches love fishes. <laughs> That's right. If he wouldn't have finished it off with the fish, if he would have left it at just retrieving her clothes, yeah, she wouldn't have been interested. No, no. But he had to go that extra mile off for the fishes. Bitches, bitches love fishes. Bitches love fishes. <laughs> <laughs> Word to the wise. Omega threes. All those fatty asses. Yeah. Fatty acids. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, yeah. She she was like, all right, all right, playboy. But this is where he introduces himself as Parmana Siddiq, and she's like, oh, I'm so Rooney. These motherfuckers, well, it wouldn't have helped if he would have used his name. Yeah. Well, here's something else, too. I want to backtrack just for a second. This goes back into the gaslighting. One little interesting thing of note that he also intersperses in his dialogue to her, Gendon, that is, is he tells her, he's like, oh, yeah, you won't be accepted into society anymore because they're calling you queen of black magic. Everybody knows that now. So once again, he's implanting all these little ideas. But she's just like, all I have to do is go to a different village. Yeah. Shit, this place is tiny. I can leave and just become somebody else. He's like, oh, no, 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 you can't. Yeah. And so like, this is her first trying out the new persona. Right. And it's working or it appears to be working. Right. And then soon after that, this is where Gendon starts to use the black magic and quote unquote voodoo to attack the headman, which we learned his name is Sabri Mm. because he's repenting. He's starting to pray, and they all are. And that's when um, he starts to manipulate the doll to make the guy's fucking stomach bloat. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And then I put Permana. He winds up saving Sabri. Because what they're doing is they're reciting what I wrote down as Alphalak, is the prayer. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? I did a little research on what that meant, if you're curious. It is a prayer, and it's the 113th chapter of the Quran. It translates to the daybreak. It's a five-verse surah, which is a verse, asking Allah for protection from evil is what it amounts Mm. to. So when those guys are chanting, they're saying the prayer, that is the real prayer. Okay. Yeah, so it's not just like some made-up shit. Mm. Because you can like Wikipedia search or whatever, and it shows you the different, I guess, Arabic ways of saying it, depending on where you're at, which, you know. Anyway, I was like, okay, okay. Makes sense why they use it there. He blazed the hands on him, it deflates, and it thwarts Gendon. Like, it thwarts him back or knocks him off his little black magic trip there. Just because this happens to be a lot of this movie from here on out, this might be some of my favorite magic fighting since The Raven. Yeah, you know, it harkened back a little bit to that. I agree. Like, that's what I was thinking when all this shit was going on. (laughs) I'm like, this is kind of cheesy, but it's cheesy in the right way where I believe it's two fucking stupid ass magic users throwing bullshit that's yeah. ununderstandable because it doesn't actually exist back and forth at each other. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what I thought. I was, love it because it's so fun. It's, it is fun. It, it does make it fun. It's engaging too. What I thought was kind of funny. It was like, <laughs> if you didn't buy the whole fish theme, what we just said earlier, wait till you get this scene where Permana and Murni, under the guise of Saruni, are back at the river, and she's like, oh, you're fishing. Did you catch anything? And he's like, here, here's Ron. She winds up snagging a fish, and he's telling you, hey, pull it in. And she, she basically throws herself in the river, and he quote-unquote saves her. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, she is all horned up, dude. <laughs> Something to get out of here. Yeah, but from above. Out of here riding his. Dick. Yeah, from above, Dharmo sees it, and he's under the assumption that, hey, maybe they're in cahoots, the queen of black magic in this 
false uh, Santri, which is like a guy who studies yeah. Islam. So he's like, maybe they're in cahoots. But one of the guys, to his credit, it's like, unless we've all seen it, it's just an allegation. We don't know that. And so there's a little bit of that at play there. And then she yeah, goes like, back. You say you saw Marnie from yeah. how far off? Yeah, exactly. So they give him that, which is cool. It's clever. He comes back. That's Parmana. You know, hey, what's up, guys? They're like, oh, we're planning on something. Okay, cool. Peace out. I'm going to go talk to the headman. She, Marnie, goes back, tells Gendon that she's like, oh, yeah, I got my man now. We're going back to the city. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. You got to be careful because men are clever with the words. Remember Kohar? So he's gaslighting her ass mm-hmm. again, man. I mean, this is the fucked up part is where he's like, all right, I got to really make her not leave by making Beda lust after Parmana. Right. right. So he uses the dolls and she's all horned up. And he's Horny just voodoo number two. Yeah. He's just like cool as a cucumber, you know. Of course, our girl Mernie, she happens she's to be in town. She's not close enough to hear anything. Nope. She just sees it from afar. She just sees, you know, kind of what what he said earlier about Kohar. You got to be careful. That bitch, Beta, again, is taking my man. <laughs> so she goes back and thrashes She's, uh, the place. She's pissed dude, it off. It was so fucking funny that they decided to do that fucking scene in slow motion. Yeah. And on top Why of it. do you do the house thrashing in slow motion? Oh, uh, what I thought was so petty. Was Gendon just in the background like, yeah, hell yeah, this shit's working. <laughs> Got her. Because now she's like throwing up gang signs. She's like, I'm ready to wipe all these motherfuckers out. It's done, son. Right? The whole town's going down. Oh, yeah. So now what I like, what I thought was really cool is, you know, you've got Pramana. He and the dudes are praying. And then you see this fucking like fireball coming out of the sky and nails that one dude. And you're like, oh, shit, she ain't playing. Right. And they're like trying to take care of, of that guy. And Parman is like, I'm going to go outside, take care of it. You guys stay in here and pray. And when he goes outside, there's another use of that reverse, mm-hmm. you know, technique with her fireball. And he's like, this dude's come backflips like that. Dude, that part was so fucking <laughs> awesome. She, he comes out like, and what? like, look, I just want to fireball, fireball, fireball. And he's yeah. like, yoga back flame. Backflip, backflip. backflip, backflip. <laughs> He's like, now calm down. I'm just trying to talk. He's like, hold up, girl. Let me tell you a little story. Let me drop some crazy expo on you. It came out of nowhere. He's like, "Um, actually, my name ain't Permana. It's actually Kliwon. I'm your older brother. Now, this is where I was thinking, okay, we've run into this before where they're using words like that, brother and sister. and Mm -hmm. It means different things. It doesn't literally mean that. It's just a way of kind of respecting your elders or, you know, your seniors have you. No, no, not in this case. You're like, what the fuck? So apparently when they were younger, like very, very little, he left to go study with some dude, right? So I don't know if that's alluding to like he was bought because they're poor or maybe he was like, that's what you do at that age. Mm -hmm. You study Islam under the guise of whatever. But she was too young to remember, Bernie that is, because he's like, hey, you're Seja's daughter. He's just like, how do you know my mom? And that's when he, yeah, he starts dropping all that truth bomb. And then that's when Gendon, he appears. He kind of like thwarts her out of it because he's like, this is not about that. This is about winning or losing. And uh, it's like that's when Mernie starts to, to mount her attack again against Kliwan with a putback magic. But, oh, this, this is where she gets into those poses and shit. She throws up that Wu Tang sign. <laughs> <laughs> you know? She's like, Wu Tang. Wu Tang. Yeah, she Wu-Tang. was. 
And then Ain't the RZA, the Jizza, the yeah, old dirty, old dirty bastard, bastard, all of that, man. They came down. Inspector Deck, Raekwon, yeah. the chef. And then she got like yeah, Ghostface Killer, all them. She got that rock, that quote. M E T H O D, man. She's like trying to, you know, put that shit on him. And he you can clearly see that's like that's some weightless shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's holding up. It's like, no, Mernie. And then he starts to pray. And then I'm like, oh, lame. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's effective. I mean, it's already been set up. It explodes that boulder, whatever the fuck, that column that was on him. Thwarts her back after she was sucking her toe. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, give her credit. She was in a killer pose for all that stuff. It only makes sense in Okay, so her, context. her fucked up and him going to her is where it truly all comes together because of what she says, right? Because we heard earlier what Pramana, or what's his real name? Kliwan. Kliwan had actually said to Baida, Beta? Yeah, Beta, Baida, yeah, same, whatever. Was, no, I actually got a girlfriend, we're going to get married, we're going back to the city. Yes, that's exactly what he says to her. And then Murni, all (laughs) fucked up. Yeah. It's like... I don't mind dying in your arms, my brother and my lover. Oh, my note literally says, um, what the fuck, Indonesia? <laughs> what is I'm this like, shit? What the fuck, brother lover? <laughs> I know. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to ride with it, man. Maybe it's another one of those cultural things I don't and know so about. If she would have just said she was Murney from the get-go, right? Yeah. He would have been like, oh, this is my sister. You're my Theoretically, sister. Like, Theoretically. I Joe, don't think he rolls like that. He's doing some Joe Dirt stuff. <laughs> My sister. But no, of course, once again, Mr. Petty was what I should have put him down as. Mr. Petty, he appears. I was going to say, the funny thing is, like, the movie <laughs> theoretically should end right there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really should have. Oh, no, no, no. Mr. Petty's like, man, when when you <laughs> learn why he set this whole thing up to begin with, you're like, what? What? Are you serious? Because the other guy was democratically elected? Yeah, the town people are like, no, we want this guy's a head man. Okay, Trump. I know, right? He's like, oh, no, I'm going to learn from all the black magic teachers, be real petty. <laughs> and just coincidentally enough, I found this gal who you guys cast aside, but it makes you think. He set that up probably all the way from the beginning. Mm-hmm. He knew. He's been watching, keeping score, because he just lives right below the cliffs. It's not like he had to go very far. I mean, he's uh, the fucking old guy in Ichi the Killer, right? Exactly, dude. Exactly. Uh, which happens to be Shinya. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's exactly who he is. Uh, yeah, that's kind of fucked. That's a cool parallel there. I think that's really cool. But yeah, the whole point is, he's like, he just wants revenge. He wants to be the quote unquote king of that village or whatever the fuck. And so he starts to throw spears over at Murney and then over at Kliwan, which he strikes. But they're like, you know what? Let's team up. Let's use both of our powers the power of black magic and prayer together to defeat him, which is, it's pretty That's a decent. weird way to come to an ending, too. We're going to take out the real <sighs> bad guy, which is pettiness, using the, the power of prayer teamed with black magic. Maybe that's how you make white magic. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just fucking around, but yeah, I thought but that like, was kind of weird. With the rest of it kind of being like a moral play, like, yeah. remember, say your prayers, but if somebody's being petty enough... Say your prayers and mix a little black magic in. Yeah, sometimes. Well, it's like salt and pepper. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the best of both worlds. But essentially, it makes Gundan blow up, like literally blow up. His head blows up. 
parts of his body start to blow up. And then Myrny, maybe it's like because she's tethered to the black magic part of him. She dies in combination, you know. But that's what happens. She dies in Kliwon's arms, and that's it. That's the end, literally the end. <laughs> like, okay, that last 10 minutes, there was a lot of shit thrown on you. I mean, I guess Cleavon doesn't really have to have an awkward conversation with his sister after this. No, he's like, oh, well, sh- fuck, there went that. Like, I I got the easy way out, but at what cost? <laughs> man, that was fucking so out of left field, man. I was not expecting him to drop that. I was like, okay, I could understand one thing. Like, oh, you know what? We're brother and sister, and that's, a, that's the extent, you know. But no, nah, we're lovers, too. That's cool with me. Like, dude, how fuck yeah. Sorry, man. Especially when you knew that going into town. Like, it wasn't something that dawned on him. Like, he knew that. That theoretically a sister should still be around? Yeah. And like, oh, yeah, you're Mernie. Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> still get them digits. <laughs> that was weird. And she was cool with it, too. Whatever. That was weird. But anyhow, anyhow, overall, way more coherent and cohesive than I was anticipating, especially after that initial reaction to the trailer. Entirely. It's just kind of a good, fun, slightly campy, slightly serious revenge horror. But it it all makes sense. reflects its time period and its budget, but not in a bad way. No, no, no. There's only so much you can get. I think the themes in this film make sense. They're done pretty well. Second time through things really start to make more sense the way things are played out. But yeah, if this is an indicator, because we have done an Indonesian film prior, you know, something that was more recent in terms of years, I suppose, exposure. Two for two so far. You know, maybe we should see if they can hit three for three. Oh, make it a trifecta. Yeah. If we were bowling, it'd be a turkey. Get that hat trick. Yeah, hat tricks, man. Yeah, that's going to be fun. And so with that in mind... Next week, we have picked. Oh, also, like, see this movie. Yes, do yourself a favor. I know we mentioned it last week, but is it, it on it, YouTube? It is actually. You can watch this on YouTube. You can watch it on YouTube, but if you do have this streaming service, Shutter, it's on. Check Shutter. it on Shutter because we also could recommend next week's film on Shutter as well. From me hearing about it, we were already kind of thinking about doing this movie. What cemented us doing this movie was the <laughs> fact that Shutter got the updated remake, loose remake from what I understand. Loose, yeah. Queen of Black Magic from a director we've talked about before. I don't think it's both of them. It's not both. It's one of them. Mm -hmm. I think it's Kimo, not Timo. Yeah. So Kimo, who we last talked about on Rumadara. Yeah. Macabre. Macabre. (laughs) I was almost just like... Dara's house. Dude, that's how Dara's I know, house. we said it so many times. It's like, oh, I forgot the bastardized version of it. <laughs> Did an updated, like it, like we just yeah. said, loosely adapted version of Queen of Black Magic. And I'm super excited because Macabre is super fun. It was. Pretty gory. Yes. I've heard that uh, if nothing else, the updated version of Queen of Black Magic is also decently gory. I'm down. <laughs> I'm down. And I'm curious where they take it. Likewise, because I know it does not follow this plot. No, actually, I will say this spoiler. I watched the first two minutes of this film. Okay. <laughs> and it's just a little bit in the expo already. Totally unfamiliar with what you get from what we just reviewed in terms of, of its opening. 
Well, with this being fresh, though, I'm wondering if we'll be able to sense the influence. Oh, yeah, likewise. Like, the what I saw, man, is nothing. Uh, two minutes, not going to give anything away. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. Likewise. So listen to us next week. Talk about that. But for this week, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms? Out. Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, We highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, the easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Uh, you can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. I'm not going to give you all those ads. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace.